Peyton Manning and the rise of the Big Orange, the Bush Push, Johnny Football, Cam Newton's Four Months to Glory, Vince Young and the greatest performance ever on the biggest stage. The unforgettable college football players and moments come to life again at Saturday Lives Forever, a new podcast series from Saturday Down South. I'm Matt Hayes, and I invite you to come with me on a journey through college football's glorious past, where we celebrate yesteryear with special guests and learn more than we thought we knew about the sport's iconic past. The season one launch of Saturday Lives Forever is just around the corner. So subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, welcome back. This is, I don't know where this is going to be in the audio, um, but you should consider yourself lucky because as you can tell from uh, the stammering that's happening right now from me, Chris Marler, one of your hosts, you not only get two teams to preview, you get two intros because I don't know how podcasts work. Tyler, just fucking take over. I'm going to start drinking. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huck. And with me, as always, is Chris Marler. Uh, this is, I think, the second intro of the pod. So um, we did a little interview before because we're previewing Arkansas and LSU today, which I think you yeah. also will hear that later when Chris does the other intro. I just want to make sure everyone's uh, on the same page. Communication is key. Right. Okay? That's what my therapist has been telling me all week. So we're going to get to our interviews uh, for Arkansas and LSU here in a bit, but we wanted to, it's been a while since we've talked some, some national college football type stuff. About our um, feelings. There's a lot going on. Um, we could start anywhere. We could talk, we could start with Kool-Aid McKinstry getting an NIL deal with Kool-Aid, which I, I About think that time. I was the one that set that in motion, put that on Twitter, didn't get one retweet. So I'm sure somebody saw it. I think there's um I don't want to run on your parade, but uh I feel like a lot of people probably yeah, put those like, two things yeah. together. That was kind of kind of a layup. Um but uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know no. your, you, your tweet almost went viral. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Um but there's some big stuff happening. Um I, keeping in the SEC real fast, seems like injuries are starting to rack up on Georgia for this Clemson game. A little nervous for them right now. I tell you what, it, it, this is like my favorite time of year because I still think Georgia's going to be fine. I still think they win that game and we'll get to all that, like, like I guess a week and a half from now, but um, just, I, and I feel bad sometimes, but watching the, the roller coaster that is the psyche and confidence of a Georgia fan throughout a season and especially right beforehand, it is fucking fascinating to watch and very entertaining because like with good reason, a lot of them think this is the year. And, and not, not like in the past where it's yep. like, oh, this is our year. Like, I, I agree with them. Um, you lose Darnell Washington. So he's your other five-star tight end. Uh, he's out. And now you apparently mm-hmm. have a white kid that's like, like has, is, is like an absolute freak. Um, like, I shouldn't have characterized him as that. But, uh, but it's like, it's like a 6'5", 240 kid. It's like a 40-inch vert. Runs like a 4'4", something like that. Anyway, so he's got to step in that role. I think he's a freshman. They have talent everywhere. They're going to be fine. Uh, it sucks that they lost one of the cornerbacks. But, you know, at least now they're at a position where – and you could tell this is like, like how a program changes, Tyler, okay? In the past, those two players probably would have been out for like a misdemeanor with weed. But now, look at you go, you turned an ankle, and that's why they're out this, this time. 
we're progressing. So that should be interesting. You know, not not only that, but yeah, that to that the Eric Gilbert news. Um, so I don't think that that one is that big of a shock, but it's uh, certainly another loss on the field. And then you already have Pickens out. So should be interesting. Yeah. I know some of those receivers have been banged up through camp as well. Um, let's get to the big story of the week, though. Um, a report came out. I believe the Athletic was the first to come out with it that basically said the breakup. Everybody but the Big 12 is going to just team up against the SEC and try to be one conference. Yeah. What do you think um, about that? You know, when they started talking about this alliance, I, there were so many things that made me laugh about it because it was like, one, the memes were going to be great for sure. Two, the Pac-12, like, what the fuck are you even doing here? But, like the ACC and Big Ten, they carry their own weight. That's fine. But the Pac-12 has such a, hey, listen, my mom said my little brother had to come to the sleepover type of vibe that it is kind of ridiculous because they don't really have any added value besides Oregon, maybe USC by name. Um, the second part of that is them teaming up against the SEC and, and there's people have different views yeah. on this. And, and I haven't honestly, like I, I, I know full well, I don't want to jump to conclusions and think that like, Oh, everything's to be ruined. Everything's to be so different. Now I love the traditions and, you know, like the annual traditions and also like the pastimes and stuff like that of college football that we've like grown to love, like for like years and decades and shit like that. So I'm not super thrilled about some of the changes. Kirk Herbstreit said, like, I thought it like very, very uh, good point the other day about how we need somebody to oversee college football because the NCAA is not anymore. That's is like trying to oversee everything for like the good of the whole and not just the SEC because Greg Sankey is just fucking making move after move after move and being this alpha and, you know, kind of like, you know, leaving everyone else by the wayside. And, and I think after a while, if you're only looking out for your best interest and your, your money and like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not gonna be good for the whole. That being said, if right. you had 41 fucking teams to an Alliance and, and you're, you're combining Oregon state and Pitt and I don't Rutgers. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what kind of like weight. Oh, well, was. you're like, just taking the worst team in every, every conference. That's, that's, that's convenient. Despite where my, I'm at emotionally right now, Oregon state's not the worst team in that conference. So bite your tongue. Um, but, but like three of them ganging up against the, <laughs> they're, just, they're just the worst in general. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that another time, but like, so like if you, if you hadn't heard about this, they haven't made it official yet. They're going to have a conference call this week and then make it official which seems redundant, but um, what they're going to do conference is, call. That's apt. Well, what do you like? Why? Hold on. What do you mean? Explain the joke. Get it. Cause conference it's about the conferences. It's also a conference call. I'm so fucking tired of you right now already. So sick. Dude, I'm a dad of two. What do you want? <laughs> um, that's fair. So th- there's no financial component as of now. The main goal is to find, this is like from a report on ESPN, the main goal is to find common ground in the ongoing power battle between the SEC and everyone else. What I keep envisioning, because I'm a child and I'm immature, but like it it feels like when like Andre the Giant or like Hulk Hogan was like in a match and like three people came and they were trying to fight him once like Stone Cold or whatever. He just had like whatever crazy amount of power. And so he was not going to be defeated. That's kind of what is happening right here. Um, and it's hilarious to watch anything involving the Big Ten after what they tried to do to football last year. Because you talk about being so prideful and having all these member institutions and academic, you know, like just but to watch them from last year to this year and Kevin Warren shit his pants, like trying to do any, any kind of decision making 
has been hilarious. It, like just flat out. So. Yeah. I, I wonder what will happen with this. I mean, I, it sounds like it's like pretty far down the road maybe of, of discussions at least, but I do wonder if every team from every conference will be joining because you know, the big thing with when the ACC or when the Florida State Clemson rumors came out about joining the SEC, everyone was quick to point out that they're in this grant of rights lockup that they're not going to be able to do anything for, for years to come. I think it's 10 years before that deal is up. But if you completely destruct the ACC as you know it, then that grant of rights goes away. So I wonder if then that opens up teams to be poached that the SEC wants to poach. Yeah. and say they do want to, to grab a, a Florida State, Clemson, UNC, Miami type deal to join in with the SEC at that point. I, so it should be interesting. Seen... But... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but, you know, strictly speaking as a Florida State fan, it would be weird. Like, I don't think I really like the idea of being in this, like, massive conference that was set up purely just to compete against the sec it seems but it would be pretty badass that like every other year you're going on a road trip to go watch florida state play oregon on the road or go up to the that, you know columbus ohio like that would be awesome well the, the main part of the alliance too is not like i mean like scheduling would be like a lot easier right like you would have like, like built-in agreements and stuff like that but the main part of the alliance yeah. is is strictly for like when they start voting on stuff for like the like the whole like like the you know college football as a whole they don't want to just be absolutely ran over um by the sec and i said the most the most interesting part of all this to me was it's it's august we're only a couple months removed from the ncaa not really doing anything like, like not being a thing right but they're still the ncaa they're supposed to be in charge there's a quote from the article that, that you know was breaking this down. ESPN said there have been many changes, especially with the NCAA governance over the sport and whether a governing body will even exist in the near future. It, it is just crazy to me still how, in such a short time, the NCAA has just gone. It just fucking disappeared. It's like it's KJ Costello. It's it, you know my dad when he said he was going to get cigarettes or whatever when I was six. Whatever, I mean, whatever. Like it's like the same thing, but like you know. I think, I think it obviously, like I said, it helps with like the scheduling. It's also an alternative alternative to expansion because not every conference like would benefit from going to 16 teams. And, and, and we thought a couple of weeks ago, even that four 16 team conferences would be the way to go. That's not going to be the case. I feel like now, because, you know, you can't combine the ACC and the big 10 and then who's the PAC 12 going to get fucking the whack or mountain West. Like, I mean, so anyway, <laughs> Yeah, so when we get official news on this, if we do, uh, we will obviously talk about it here on the pod. But let's get into some previews, unless you have some other national news to talk about this week. I mean, I saw Scott Frost in Nebraska are under investigation by the NCAA. I don't think that's really relevant at this point, but just saw no, that, that, I, I found that interesting. Yeah, we're, we're, this is not like a 90s throwback pod, so we're not going to talk about Nebraska, and they are absolutely irrelevant. But we are going to intro Chris uh, Gordy, our, our good friend, because he's um, he's been waiting for 30 minutes. This is my fault. <laughs> this didn't go as seamlessly as possible. Are you and fucking serious, Gordy? Oh, uh, he's got the sports talks of a 90. Okay, good. Is. I was about to be really upset. I'm sorry for the delay, sir. Yeah, you know, it's all good. I mean, some professional <laughs> shows like actually go over with their guests what's going to happen before this one just throws you into the hellfire. 
<laughs> well, you know what, Chris, I tried to bring you on for the last two fucking weeks uh, and you you had COVID, which isn't yeah. even real from everything my aunt said on Facebook. So I'm not even going to get into that with you. Well, but now you break, finally break, make it on. Breakthrough case, brother. I'm fully vaccinated. I had every damn symptom in the book. So take that. <laughs> Don't let Barrett Salee hear that. He's going to he's going to ruin my social media. Um, no one. Congrats on beating COVID. Um, Thank you. I'm going to get a T-shirt made. He's a survivor. I beat yeah. COVID-19 in 21, you know? <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll work on that. It, it needs to roll off the tongue more, I think. Um, but so, Tyler, this is Chris Gordy. And, and again, uh, you, you said, I mean, you mentioned it, so it's a perfect uh, transition about how unprofessional I am in this, this podcast has been. Why don't you <laughs> intro yourself with all of your credentials? Because Gordy, I know whatever you say, whoever company you work for, whatever radio station, all of it pales in comparison to who you truly are as a person to me. And that is the best oh. shaggy fucking impersonator in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's my pride and joy. That's what I've been working on yeah. for, for 20 plus years. You know, ever since I heard on top 20 radio, Shaggy and Rayvon. And, you know, it's my pride and joy. It's what I take pride in. But outside of that, you know, I've covered the SEC, been talking SEC football for 20 plus years. Uh, Locked on SEC is uh, the podcast. Been doing it for a year now and really taking off awesome. and bringing up uh, huge audiences. We just transitioned to doing video now. So you can find us on YouTube and wherever you find videos nice. and stuff. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun that we're actually getting back into a normal SEC football season this year and being able to talk. I've been like so nerding out, like looking back through like uh, st standings finishes for the last 20 years, like all these stupid things that I'm like deep diving because I'm getting bored of the Georgia, Alabama stuff. Like everybody I talked to and I was like, so Georgia, Alabama, and Atlanta, I'm like, no, can we can like something please else happen? I, can this be one of those weird years? years yeah. It's like, I, I want Vandy and Ole Miss in Atlanta. That's what I want to happen this year. <laughs> if that happens, they better fucking broadcast it on Jefferson pilot. Like that's bottom line. Also, I know you're lying and, and like, I don't, I don't consider you a liar or a dishonest person, but when you say you've been nerding out looking at past years, I know you just mean 2019. And, and that's where we're going to start this whole interview as an LSU <laughs> fan, because listen, um, like fun fact. Okay. I did this. I Googled this earlier today. The top five genres of porn currently in America, this is from Men's Health. It was it was sent to my inbox. I didn't I didn't willingly look it up at all. Um, <laughs> lesbian stepmom hentai, which I don't even know what that is, but a lot of vowels. Milf, big ass, and and it, and I read this in Louisiana. None of those uh, lead. It's actually just 2019 Joe Burrow videos and just the <laughs> Bama game because you guys won't fucking stop talking about it still. Dude, it's it's a thing like uh, my group of friends. I'm in a group text with a bunch of LSU people and like they're this week. They were sending pictures of Joe Burrow at Bengals practice like, hey, did you see Joe? Hey, did you see him hook up with Jamar Chase? Like it's like, guys, can we turn the page and move on already? Um, no, I mean, that's kind of what Coach O is doing this year. His mantra is like bring back the magic of 2019. He goes and uh, hires Jake Peets, which came at, at the recommendation of 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 course Joe, you know, Brady. Joe Brady and then DJ Mangus who was like the right hand man next to Joe Brady in 2019 he comes in as the passing game coordinator so yeah it's almost like a bring back the magic type year for LSU like last year you know I think what we're going to find is last year was truly an anomaly like Bo Pelini yeah. you were never invited back in Baton Rouge ever again like it's it, it just <laughs> it is what it is he's like Sherman for Georgia like don't ever fucking come back to the state ever yeah. ever ever again you're just you're just never invited back bro but 
outside of that, like what LSU and Coach L are trying to do, they're going to try to find, look, you got, you can't replicate Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. That was what it was. It was a special year. It was awesome. But are there some layers of that, that you can, that you can figure out? I mean, to be honest, LSU fans are so, we were so like crippled for years with Les Miles as the head coach, where we were just so desensitized to like pound our head against the wall of like run the run the ball. Well, there's nine, ten guys in the box. Doesn't matter. We're it gonna run matter. the ball. And it's like it got so frustrating that when they hired Matt Canada years ago, we went nuts when we saw pre-snap motion. We're like, oh my God, what is this sorcery? So yeah, like it's it's exciting to have a quarterback who can actually throw the football. You know, it's these crazy times we're living in in college football now, but that's what LSU wants to be. I, it's almost funny. They were a fault last year where they didn't run the ball enough. Last year was the first time since right. I think 2015 that LSU didn't have a thousand yard rusher. They didn't even have a 500 yard rusher last year. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's a shortened season, but still also we're not going to talk about this now, but Matt Canada, I found out this weekend still has a job, which is there's hope for all of us. And he's calling plays for Najee Harris. Again, hey, that one's easy. Hand the ball off to Najee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, last year, so let's get into Jake Pete's a little bit because there was only two teams, Air Force and Navy. This is These are not two teams you want to be in the same company with in this. That's statistic. messed up, Tyler. We love the military here, despite <laughs> what true. I said on we the other interview. Um, no, uh, no team saw a bigger drop off when it comes to yards per pass attempt than Air Force, Navy, and LSU last year. Now, granted, you're coming off a fantastic 2019 offense, so that has something to do with it, but it was a severe drop-off last year. So what are the early returns on Pete's? Um, I'm sure LSU fans are kind of itching to see what that's going to look like this year. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, look, we, we were hoping we were going to see Miles Brennan. He ends up breaking the arm going fishing or whatever the hell he was doing, you know, like, dude, get somebody to carry your ice chest for you. It's so stupid. Oh, I didn't anyway, know that. Oh, yeah. The, the specifics was he was going fishing and his flip flops got caught on the dock and he tripped and fell. And hold, arm hold on. That's how he broke his arm. Yes. Because of flip flops. Yeah. I have I mean, been championing this fucking guy all offseason thinking he was the alpha, that he was going to be the guy in the locker room and he was wearing flip flops. Yeah, I mean he's he's, he's waited, fishing. I mean, he's waited his chance for like six years to be the guy, and now it's finally his chance. And Bro takes one last fishing trip of the off season and is carrying like an ice chest and coolers and all this stuff, and just whoa trips breaks the arm like, like an infomercial. It's like unbelievable. All right, well, so good to know. So anyway, so that happens to, to Miles Brennan. And so now it's Max Johnson. And look, you know, I think LSU fans were excited what they saw from Max Johnson in a limited sample size down, down the stretch of last year. I'm not I'm not a big left-handed quarterback guy, but it is what it is. We've got to roll with it. Uh, but he's got the mobility. He showed he's got right. the legs. He's able to do that and, and get out in space by himself some time. And so they like that aspect of it. Like I said, Jake Peets, DJ Mangus are going to bring back a lot of the layers uh, from the Joe Brady offense, but man, it, like the weapons that they're going to have at receiver yeah. this year from Kayshawn Boutte is like on everybody's like preseason watch list. We know what he did last year, but a couple other guys to keep an eye on a guy who went to my high school, uh, same high school as Jamar Chase, Coy Moore. He's number two this year. Keep an eye on him. Trey Palmer. Wait, what's the high school? Archbishop Rummel. What's up? We win state every year. Anyway, uh, Trey Palmer, <laughs> number 33. 
uh, Devontae Lee, uh, Jerry Jenkins, and then a guy who is turning everybody's heads this past week at, at practice. Keep an eye on number eight, Malik Neighbors is, he's, is his name. He's a freshman. He, he was turning some heads in the scrimmage this past weekend, and a couple of my buddies said, keep an eye out for him. So, man, it, it's they've got so many weapons at LSU. It, it just becomes like, all right, who's going to be the next guy? Who's going to be the next Jamar right. Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, Odell Beckham? I'll, I'll keep going. You want me to keep going or I'll stop right there? Uh, oh, only one of those hit players beat Bama. So, yeah, you can listen all you want. That's fine. They've, they've just got this bevy of weapons and it just mm. never ends. So I, I'm really interested to see what they do with, uh, with those pass catchers this year. That's, I mean, that is a deep, deep receiving core. I, I think like one guy that I've been waiting on for like several years now, John Emery. Um, it, it, like you talk about like, it, it's, it's weird to even bring up how like the run game is like now a thing of the past at LSU, because I mean, that was, that is hands down the best offense in the history of college football from 2019. So yeah, why would you not want to replicate that? But when you talk about the run game, like one thing, you know, we always talk about, especially in the SEC games are one of the trenches before. Um, and I'm of course drawing a blank on his name. Now the, the right tackle or left tackle that's, that went to Kentucky. Rosenthal. 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 So before that transfer, you had all nine of your combined offensive linemen and defensive linemen were returning starters. And they were also all seniors. So like the experience in the trenches and up front is going to be like very, very like a lot better than last year. Right. The run game, you still have to be somewhat balanced. Is John Emery going to take the next step? Like, are we going to see a, a more improved run game from LSU? That's the hope. And the scary part is, at least through fall camp so far, is that Ty Davis Price and John Emery had not been able to been, be on the field long enough and sustainable, enough, you know, to show something that shows signs like, oh, this is the guy that that's going to ready right. ready to take over. In fact, what I, the guy that I've heard stood out stood out the most so far is a true freshman, Corey Kiner. Number 21, he's come in and they said he looks like he's given true effort every single time, running hard and all that kind of stuff. So, man, uh, I'd keep an eye on Corey Kiner if, if, if you know, I'm an LSU fan out there because it may just be one of those things with Ty Davis Price and John Emery that it never comes on. The light bulb never right. comes off. We always think that, oh, next man up at LSU from Leonard Fournette to yeah. Darius Geis. I mean, it's been always okay. just this next man up. But, no, it was a real problem last year they were not able to run the football and the offensive line was a part of that I mean mm -hmm. you mentioned have all these seniors and all and all this and that's great and, the, and all these guys are back but there were times where they weren't good last year against Auburn they were terrible oh my uh, against, god against Alabama they couldn't block that defensive line so uh that's going to be a problem this year is like okay you're you're a veteran offensive line but man you got to be able to block week in and week out not just against the middling teams and then you suck right. against the good teams so I know some LSU fans weren't that concerned that Miles Brennan went down because a, a lot of people thought Max Johnson just might be the guy. But you mix that in with I the transfer of off. Finley. Um, <laughs> he's still on the Real. football thing, huh? I didn't, I didn't, um, know, I didn't know that's how it happened. Like, that's fucking unbelievable that he tripped and fell like fucking goofy movie. And that's how he's out <laughs> for the season. I, I take back all the stuff I said about how it was like, what a tough break. Don't go fishing, idiot. Like, Anyway. <laughs> so, so you you go from a what looked like a really deep QB room, you know, six months ago to now. If Max Johnson goes down, are you, are they? Is it Nussmeyer, the true freshman, that would have to step in at this point, oh, or what does that God. QB room look like behind him? 
It is. And there's this weird thing that's been happening in the last couple of weeks that Coach O's been talking up Garrett Nussenmeyer a lot. Like the scrimmage this past Saturday, he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. And Coach O's like, you know, Garrett's looking really good out there. And it's like, okay, wait, why is he talking up the true freshmen so much? Well, yeah. then you, you see the same things happening in Florida right now. Dan Mullen is talking up Anthony Richardson. Insane and I'm like, whoa, wait, isn't this Emory Jones's team? And so you wonder, is it that dynamic of, is he talking up the backup to give that kid some confidence or is the backup really performing well? So you kind of have to read between the lines here. I know Garrett Nussmeyer was a highly touted recruit. I know LSU has high hopes for him in the future, but if they have to rely on him at all this year, things are going very badly. I mean, in a perfect world, I think what they would like is Max Johnson's the guy. He keeps them afloat, has them, let's say, undefeated when Miles Brennan comes back somewhere in late October, early November-ish, somewhere in there, and Miles Brennan comes in, and then they just make it a complete open quarterback battle between those two guys. And if Miles Brennan beats out Max Johnson at that point, then so be it, whatever. But if Garrett Nussmeyer touches the field at any significant time this year, that's going to be a big problem for LSU. Well, okay, and I don't know anything about his like performance on the field or as a quarterback or anything like that. But if your name is Garrett Nussmeyer and he's the starting quarterback, you're you're going to go seven and five tops. Like that is the ceiling, just flat out. Also, like I, you know, you you, you never want to lose a job to um, to injury. And, and I feel like Miles Brennan, obviously, like I, I am very jaded, like right now because of this this story you just told me about the the fucking sandals or the flip flops. Um, and you bring up like, if he comes back during like, could have, could have been Crocs. Season, I'm not, not that's, that would have been better. They're slip resistant. That would have been fucking made sense. But we're talking <laughs> about old Navy flag sales and you wear these cheap ass. Anyway, we're not going to get on that just to make me mad, but like if, if, if you have a quarterback battle that late in the season, it's probably not that. I mean, it probably wouldn't be great. I feel like, um, but I don't know. I mean, like, like miles Brennan, I thought also was one of the guys that like, we're going to look back in a couple of years and like, what would have happened if like, he just would have stayed healthy? Because last year he played through all that, all those injuries. Well, it was, was kind of like that gutsy guy. I was hearing reports uh, throughout, you know, May, April and May, and people were telling me that they thought Max Johnson had the leg up and that he was mm -hmm. going to win the job. And then what did we see when the NIL came out? Everybody starts raising canes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all these companies start signing Miles Brennan. And part of me is thinking like, in the back of my mind, those business owners – They've got some kind of hint, right? Like they have to, yeah. somebody at LSU going, hey, we're not about to give a million dollars to, you know, the backup quarterback, right? Like this guy's going to be the Garrett starter. So, right. So that's why I think most people assume Miles Brennan was going to was going right. to be the guy and have to leg up. But that said, like LSU can still be very good and win a lot of games with Max Johnson. The kid has shown, you know, the pedigree. I mean, his dad was Brad Johnson, won a freaking Super Bowl with the with the Buccaneers. He's an awesome TikTok uh, follow if you guys are up on the dad yeah. basketball videos with Brad Johnson. But um, no, I think Max can be very good for LSU. I just wish he had that extra push behind him with Brennan there and healthy right now. Yeah, the competition would have made it even better for sure. I'm going to throw out a number to you and and listen, you know, I love you. You know that that I I, I Genuinely think the 2019 LSU team was better than 2020 Bama or maybe any team of all time. Fact. And I'm, I get tired of bringing it up because it was a very tough season for me. But I'm going to say this. Coach, Coach O, right? He's a, he's a caricature of a person. Um, like People don't take him seriously all the time, especially before 2019. I'm going to give you a number here. 13 and 5. He is 13 and 5 versus top 10 teams since he has been – 
the head coach of the interim head coach at LSU. Further, he is 13-1 and versus the top 10 against teams not named Alabama. Why the fuck is Coach O on the hot seat at, at all? Like, why are we even talking about it? And do you think that, that there's like any, you know, validity to that? Or do you think that this is a bounce back season and everything just kind of goes like the way it was? I, I don't think he's necessarily on the hot seat. I think he's on the hot seat if this season goes awry and they lose, you know, five game, five plus games or whatever. But like, I, I think everybody understands what happened last year when things went wrong with that defense like in all seriousness if they don't have that shit defense that Bo Pelini right out there where he wouldn't get out of forget I mean like it was unbelievable yeah it's just like like I mean literally coach should have walked up to him went take give me your headset go sit down I'm calling the defense like that's literally what he should have done but he didn't want to embarrass his friend whatever but like that the Mississippi State game, they they should have won that one. You know, the defense mm-hmm. just just keeps giving up touchdown for touchdown. Missouri, they lose on the goal line. You know, like so it's I can first and goal from the one, right? Yeah, I mean, like I could argue last year should have been a seven and three season for LSU. It really should have mm-hmm. been. They should have lost to Bama. They would have lost to Auburn. I mean, like it would have played out, but like if that happens, nobody's yelling for Coach O. So literally, we're talking about two games that got away from them last year. And it was like, oh, this is unacceptable. Coach O's on the hot seat, whatever. Um, I think he bounces back this year. I was just looking through it. Only four times, last year was just the uh, fourth time, I believe, since 2002 that LSU has finished fourth in the West. Every other year they finished first, second, or third. Like, right. that's, a, that's a really, really good run for how competitive yeah. the SEC and the SEC West is. I'm with you. All these stupid off-season coaching rankings that come out, and I'm seeing Dan Mullen ahead of Coach O, and I'm going, what world am I living in that Dan Mullen is a better coach than Coach O? You just mentioned – Has he beaten the, him besides with Dak? Like, I mean, last year was Florida's best team since Mullen's been there, and he still didn't beat him, right? I mean, I know the shoe thing. I get it. They threw the <laughs> shoe and Mar- Marco Wilson. It is what it is. But, like, that was Florida's best team, and LSU and Coach O still beat them. So, uh, any all these – On the road. That are, yeah, all these rankings that are putting Dan Mullen ahead of Coach O, I say, look, don't live in the moment. Pump the brakes a little bit. It was a down year for O. I still think he is an upper echelon coach, not just in the SEC, but in the country. And yeah. I think they'll bounce back this year and show that. The defense is going to have to step up a little bit. Uh, last year, 34.9 points per game, most in school history dating back to 1952. Um, I know you guys were really in it for Marcus Freeman. He ended up going to Notre Dame, I believe. So you bring in Durante Jones from the NFL, uh, former Vikings DB coach. What are the early returns in camp or what are people saying about just kind of his scheme and how he's connecting with the players? Because to me, I mean, obviously Pelini, Bo Pelini did horribly there, but he's proved in the past that he's at least a decent coach. So there was clearly just no connection with the players. So is Durante Jones doing a better job of that? And and what are the early returns there? Yeah, I think the thing that excited people the most when you first heard Durante Jones's name, and by the way, he was he was like the fourth, fifth option, but somebody said to me, they said, you know what? Five years from now, we'll, we'll never remember what option he was as long as it was the right option. Like if he turns right. out to be the right hire and turns things around, we won't remember who, oh, we missed out on this guy, this guy, this guy. Can't be as bad as Polini. I mean, like, no, for real. <laughs> and I hate to, I hate to put that guy as the scapegoat, but like he is. Like when you look around, and you go, you have a Derek Stingley Jr., you have an Eli Ricks, you have all these pieces, Ali Gay on the defensive line. You have play like on paper, you go, these are good players. Why do they suck 
it's the scheme. It's got to be the scheme. And so he is the um, scapegoat. Don't feel bad about making him the scapegoat. He is the scapegoat. Everything, <laughs> everything we've heard from Durante Jones so far is better communication. The players relate to him more. Uh, he's coming in saying, we're going to run the system that best fits the pieces and best fit, fits the opponent we're playing like that normal week. Like, fucking person. Yeah, like a normal defensive coordinator. Like, that's what you should say. And so that at least gives you encouragement. You got Corey Raymond, who's the DB's coach, who's been there forever. Tremendous recruiter. Awesome coach. They brought in Blake Baker from Miami, linebackers coach. Uh, apparently, he's doing really well recruiting. And then D- on the D-line, they got Andre Carter, who was uh, you know former defensive line in the NFL and a guy who's come in and instantly connected with the players already. So look, I don't know if these guys are going to equal a winning formula. To be honest, they don't have to. They just have to be better than what they were last year, right? If LSU's offense could be some semblance of what it was down the stretch last year, then if the defense could just be middle of the pack, LSU's going to win more games this year. So I'm with you. I mean, look, the defense was God awful last year. It was historically bad. LSU's never had a defense that bad. It's got to be light years better this year. I mean, Devonta Smith is gone, and that's like a minimum eight points per game. I feel like on average, just from and like a, a several hundred yards. Um, no, but like like all jokes aside, like you, you guys, like it was it was a terrible, terrible defense. It, but like it kind of shows, like speaks like where the state of the program is because I didn't even realize until we started like prepping for this that they were five and five because it felt like it was so bad. Like you had that 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 early loss, like you know, to Mississippi State, where you, I mean, just get torched by that balding quarterback that has now disappeared from everyone and and you lose to Mizzou on the road it, it says a lot I think about the program that you were able to bounce back from that especially early on when they could have given up it, it looked like they did they did give up after the Auburn game when everyone went out and all that kind of stuff going into this year what is what is the goal like what what like what do fans want like and what is actually realistic for this this football team so, like, realistic, like, what fans expect is that LSU is undefeated going into the October 16th home game against Florida. And I think it sets up, when you look at the schedule, you're at UCLA, you have to win that one. That's your big, tough, non-conference yeah. game on the road in two weeks. Then you come home for McNeese, you come home for Central Michigan, then you're on the road at Mississippi State. That's revenge game. You got to get them back for last year. Then you're home for Auburn, who hasn't won in Death Valley in, like, 20 big years. game. Uh, then you're on the road to Kentucky, not an easy place to play. Last time LSU went there was 2007 when they lost in triple overtime. And then they yeah. come home for Kentucky. So it's not an easy road, but I think a lot of fans are saying we should be in a perfect world. We're undefeated going into that Florida game. And if LSU can find a way to win Florida, be Florida at home, then they're at Ole Miss. And then they're at Alabama, which I give them a very small chance to win that one. But there's a realistic chance in a, a realistic setting that LSU could be undefeated going into that Florida game. Hold on real quick, piggybacking off that because, because like looking at the schedule, it's kind of sneaky tough. That little stretch they have in October where they go Kentucky or they go Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Ole Miss, because you could look at Kentucky and Ole Miss and think that's a trap game, right? Like, is there a game on this schedule? Like, like I know we said getting to the Florida game, but is there a game on this schedule that look, that makes you feel like, all right, if we win this game, then, you know, like we can, that'll get us like a couple more wins of the conference or whatever to like get through to whatever. Or is it like, if we lose this game, it can go off the rails fucking quick. Well, I mean, the first, that, that first game is the, the Mississippi state game. Like if you go to Starkville yeah. and, and lose in week four, 
and you're, you know, you're zero and one already to start the SEC, then yeah, you're going to be hitting the panic button and everybody's going to be freaking out. But um, man, there's just so many questions. Like there's so many questions with Mississippi state. They haven't even named the quarterback yet. And it's, we're going into the last week of freaking they're gonna August. Have one. Like they're I, definitely think, gonna have a quarterback. Right? <laughs> I mean, but they're gonna have no run game. That's, that's a guarantee. Leach doesn't run the damn ball, but like Kentucky, we, we know they've named Will Levis the, the starter. We know they've hired Liam Cohen, but we got to see it, man. Like Kentucky yeah. hasn't thrown the football yet. So like there's, there's all these pitfalls potentially for LSU, but man, LSU has got a lot of questions answered right now than some of these other teams that we're talking about. So that's why I think they're in a pretty good, a pretty good spot here, at least in terms of those pitfall games. But yeah, can they go to Oxford and lose to Ole Miss? Absolutely. But man, that, Ole Miss Lane Kiffin defense has to be light years better from what yeah. it was last year. It was god awful. I, I think still, even with that, I think that's the toughest one on that on that schedule uh, out of all of you just listed. Anyway, go ahead, Tyler. You want to get into the uh, over under, or you want to talk a little bit about the defense? Because there's some guys. I, I think that kid. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but Strong, who transferred in as the JUCO. Yeah, I thought you I've were going to say. I thought you were going to say Mike Jones. That's how it's pronounced. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Novatek Strong. They call him Bug. Bug Strong. He's uh, coming in Naturally, as a transfer yeah. transfer linebacker. But uh, uh, yeah, between him, Mike Jones coming in from Clemson, and Micah Baskerville, they should have three pretty good linebackers. Like when you think of LSU, when that defense is good, it's based around a really good linebacker. Yeah. They've had Devin White. You know, they have all these good guys throughout the years. So. Um, it's got to start there. I've heard some rumblings of Mike Jones having a little bit of trouble transitioning to this defense so far, but man, go back and watch his limited film at Clemson. That guy had interceptions, forced fumbles. Like he made plays all over the place. And that's kind of what they're looking for this year. It's, it starts up front with the, uh, with the, the pass rushers. Ali Gay was really, really good early in the year last year. And then he kind of tailed off for a little bit. So they want some consistency out of him. They lose Glenn low in the interior. He breaks his foot a couple weeks ago, so he's going to miss was a couple weeks of the season. Uh, he was not fishing, but okay. they do have a uh, big Neil Farrell uh, uh, on the interior. And then Jaqueline Roy is a, a big kid who came in as a freshman last year, played a lot down the stretch of the season. So he could step in there, but they're looking for guys like BJ Ojulari and Andre yeah. Anthony, somebody else to give them another edge rusher, somebody to get pressure on the quarterback is that's what was most baffling last year was how inconsistent LSU was at getting pressure on the quarterback. And so when you're not getting that pressure up front, it's going to expose your backside. And that's why we saw so many times, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. or Todd Harris or whoever is out of position in the secondary. It's because they weren't getting the push up front. Well, also Derek Stingley is the most overrated player in college football. And we'll talk about that in a second, but um, I'm, I'm saying that strictly just to plant a seed to make you mad. Tyler, go ahead. Well, yeah. I was about to I was about to get uh Gordy's back there on that one. <clears throat> uh, but I think you might have just been joking cuz obviously with Stingley the reason why he doesn't have big stats is nobody throws the ball his way cuz his receiver is covered but He's got big stats. I think there's no, there's no true the testament. The receivers against him did. More, I'll, just, I'll say that. More 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 than uh probably no buy-in than knowing that they that LSU's got Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks back there which is right. which may be the best tandem in the country. And yet their defense was just getting lit up week in and week out. Um, but is there anybody else in that secondary we need to know besides those two, those two guys there? Yeah, so Cordell Flott is a guy who's been there for a couple of years. He used to cover the slot 
which was worked out really well where you could just say flot has the slot, but uh, the safety play, they're looking for a little bit of consistency. Jay Ward is kind of transitioning. He played some corner last year. He's going to play a little bit more safety this year. Uh, Todd Harris is a guy who's been, he's a senior. A guy gets hurt like every year it feels like, but he's back healthy. Uh, Major Burns is another kid to keep an eye on transfer coming in from Georgia he was, he's a Louisiana kid who got away, went to Georgia, went there, was like, oh, this was a mistake. What am I doing? And now he's transferred and he's back in Louisiana where he belongs at LSU. So uh, Major Burns and Jay Ward, those are two guys to keep an eye on at the safety spot. And then they got a couple of, uh, you know, freshmen coming in. They, uh, Sage Ryan was a recruit yeah. who's a little bit, been a little bit dinged up. So uh, he could get in there at some point this year. Jordan Tolls, another guy. So they got a lot of bodies in that secondary. They're just looking for the ones that they could trust. But obviously, it starts with Ricks and Stingley. Those are the two guys that you know you can trust them on an island. All right, real quick before before we get to the over under. I mean, you're a fan of LSU, right? Like, and you're still an objective professional. But who is your favorite player on this team, and why is it Cade York? <laughs> Um, he hit that kick last year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not when he hit the kick, but when they asked him after, they said, "What was going through your mind when you hit when you were like lining up?" He goes, I, "What was going through my mind? It was running down to that end zone and doing this like to the yeah. fans the entire oh, time." I was like, God, big dick energy there, Cade. Good for you. <laughs> I think with watching Marler's struggles throughout the year with Bama kickers and just how uh, it's not a given that you can just have a kicker that you could trust night in and night out. That's what Cade York is. Uh, he's gonna go give you. Uh, make every kick out there. So I, I heard he made like every kick in the scrimmage over the weekend. So that bodes well. There's nothing wrong with settling for a field goal when you have a Cade York. There is a problem settling for field goals if your guy's going to miss it every time, like Bama had for a okay, Let it game. go. Let it go. Because last year was <laughs> fine. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like most of my trust issues, um, I mean, believe it or not, like they definitely come from that, not even women. So. <laughs> All right, let's get in the over-under. It's eight and a half. You got 17 starters back, uh, talent all over the field. Um, it looks like the juice is to the under, minus 135. So we got more money on the under. I, I broke it down. It seems like there's seven wins that I would consider very likely, or at least pretty likely. McNeese, Central Michigan, at Mississippi State, um, Auburn, Arkansas, Louisiana Monroe, and then, and I threw at Kentucky in there. I don't. I, maybe it's not a likely win, but I think you guys should win that one. I think UCLA is actually a little more tough than people realize. It's only a four-point right. game right now, a four-point spread for LSU. Um, so that gets me to seven wins if you throw Kentucky in there. So you got to win two of you at UCLA, Florida, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, Texas A&M. I'll go first here. I think they're going to go nine and three. I think they'll, I think they'll knock off UCLA and then I think they can get Florida at home. That old miss game on the road could be tough. Um, and then A&M is also gonna be tough and clearly Bama. Um, but uh, I think they're gonna go nine and three. So I'll take the over here, Chris. What about you? Chris Marler. I think, I think nine and three is the, is the floor. Like I don't, really? I'm, I'm trying to find. Yeah. I, I think this is like, like out of every single schedule that I've seen and I'm trying to find UCLA right here. UCLA and Phil Steele's magazine picked fourth in the West. Um, I, I don't, I mean, listen, I've done comedy for 10 years, so maybe I'm used to going up on, on a stage full of uh, like seven people to perform. It's not that difficult. So I think they'll be fine going to play in the Rose Bowl. I think they'll, they'll destroy UCLA. Hold on. UCLA has been three and four, four and eight, three and nine, six and seven, four and eight. They will destroy UCLA, hammer the, the four points for one. 
Also, again, I think nine and three is the floor. You get Florida at home. When you go to Kentucky, they're in the middle of a Florida, LSU, and then Georgia three-game, um, you know, like little stint there. You're, you're not going to beat Bama. A&M might be difficult, but you get them at home. I, I think this is going to be one of the most improved teams in the country. I, I think they will absolutely go over eight and a half wins. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just – I think that – what we saw last year, again, five and five wasn't even as bad as it should have been, or we thought it was. Like we had the worst pass, you know, defense in the entire country. Thirteen and one against top ten teams, and he's done that with several different coordinators. He's done that with like several different quarterbacks. Thirteen and one against top ten teams. I, I think LSU will will compete for whatever's behind Bama. A uh, quick note on the UCLA game. I think Chip Kelly has not won a non-conference game since he's been at UCLA. Now he's going to get anybody. one. He plays Hawaii this weekend because they, they went out and scheduled that as like a tune-up game in week zero because they're like, oh, we can't just open with LSU. Yeah, yeah let's go play Hawaii. So uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he's the quarterback for uh, UCLA. Uh, I'm with you. Like that, that could end up in a shootout. LSU could get into a shootout with them if the defense doesn't come ready to play. But I do think they win that. I'm taking LSU the over just because of history. They get Auburn at home where Auburn has not beat LSU in 20 yeah. years. They get Since A&M at home. I know every, everybody's on, on this trendy A&M pick, and I get it. They still haven't named the quarterback. Like, they still – that's the most important part of their Because they're going to have a quarterback. You can't, you well, can't keep hinging all your bets I, I on I guess. This. You, you may want to name one soon, Jimbo. The season's about to freaking start. But – AM has not beaten LSU in Baton Rouge since they've joined the SEC. It doesn't end this year. LSU is going to beat the Aggies again. Here's my thing, though, Marler, and, and this is my thing to watch out for, and the Aggie fans who were mad at me a minute ago might be happy with me after I say this. That Bama game is AM's chance. This is their meal ticket. Of what? You're sick of being the bridesmaid, never the bride. This is your year. I've been in Kyle Field when it's packed. If AM can put all their cards into that basket and find a way to beat Alabama at Kyle Field this year, it buys them a loss along the way. They can lose to LSU the last week of the season. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You're in the driver's seat. You're going to Atlanta. You're winning the SEC West. So uh, I'm putting all my cards into that basket. I like where it falls for AM. It gives them time to settle into Haynes King if it is the guy. Yeah. Does Bryce Young struggle at all on, on the road? He will have a, a true test on the road at the swamp a few weeks prior to that. But, man, if that is a rocking Kyle field like I think it's going to be, hold tight. Yeah, I think if there's anything we've learned in college football over the past like decade or 15 years or however long Saban's been at Bama is that you do want to put all your eggs in the basket of, of, of trying to knock them off and having your season kind of like um, hanging the balance because of it. Uh, no, I mean, I, I honestly don't disagree with you. I think Bama takes a step back this year. I think Bryce Young does struggle because he's, you know, he's not been in those situations at all. They, they didn't really put him into a lot of situations like that last year. I, I, I don't know if a and schedule sets up really, really well for them, like better than it's, it's like Georgia, but for the SC West, like it sets up really, really well for them. So I can, I can see that happening. You know, I, I was triggered when you said the bridesmaid, because I didn't realize that they've ever finished second at any point besides last year, but that's fine. Also, well, you know, like, like, on here? like fifth or sixth bridesmaid choice, something like that. Can we just not talk about anything wedding related, Chris? It's kind of fucked up. And we've already talked about this off air. Why would you do this right now? Yeah, sorry. I I, I, I did stop myself from using the word engagement a minute ago. So I appreciate that. All right. That's the end of this interview. Chris, last question. <laughs> um, I fucking hate it. That's unbelievable. Uh, it's not even going to be funny now. It's going to seem petty. I was going to ask you, who who do you guys hate worse? 
the FBI or Bocalini, but you have ruined me um, emotionally for the rest of the night. So I will talk hey, to you guys later. Bring on the FBI. Will Wade is a straight G, baby. Let's go. <laughs> he, like, like as soon as the Tough NIL stuff came out, for real, in the worst, if he, I swear to God, if I don't know if you guys gave him an extension anytime recently, but if somebody doesn't go get his ass into a fitted button down shirt before next season, I'm going to lose my mind. Because if he wears one more fucking boxy Joseph A. Bank off the rack <laughs> shirt as he's sweating to a 14 point loss at home, I'm going to lose it. Anyway, he's a, he's a little pear shaped. He's got a weird body. It's really unique. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> Marler used to be pear shaped, but not anymore. Thanks, man. Yeah, there's so many things looking up for me. Let's just let's, you know, <laughs> this is fun engaging with you. Um you know, uh, during all this and, and making predictions and, and vowing, um, you know, of, of what is going to happen this season and making promises to each other and ourselves. Hey, let's do it again. Let's set a date. God. Can't. It's the one where we can't say that's good. Chris, that was good. That was good. Tell you anything um, else. That was awesome. Chris. <laughs> so I've never been down to a game down in Baton Rouge. I, I'm hoping to get one there this year, but maybe the next two, three. Where do I need to go? Where Where is maybe a spot that not everyone goes, but one of your favorite local spots that I need to hit when I go down there? So when you get in town, like first off, make a week of it. Get in town on like a Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, um, yeah, like, you know, like a whole weekend. It it's, it's an experience, you know. But like get, <laughs> get in town on a Thursday or like early Friday, then go to Tigerland on a Friday night. Fred's normally, if it's a big game, they got the big tent set out in the parking lot, like 300, 400 belligerent fans. Now, in my day, they used to do $5 all you can drink from 8 till 10. I don't know if they still do that, but if they, they do, do you will not remember your name by 930 and <laughs> yeah. the weekend is off and running. So that's <laughs> normally what's going on on Friday night. And then sometimes Saturday, you wake up, you get out on the on the uh, campus, you start to tailgate, whatever. Sometimes. Maybe Maybe you hit up brunch at the chimes before you head out to the tailgate and eat all the jambalaya and start drinking and drinking margaritas and bloody Marys and doing shots of Jaeger. And then Jesus that's Christ. all that's all day long. And then somewhere around six, seven o'clock, you make your way into the stadium and then you're there till like midnight. Tyler, I'm not he's everything Love he that. said is not like an exaggeration or like, oh, we party. Hard. It's a different breed of human than I've ever seen in my life. And when he said, sometime you wake up and I say, no, it's not sometime. It's like 6 or 7 a.m. And they oh, just yeah. get right back to it. If, if you're not at the tailgate by like 10 a.m., we're calling your ass and somebody's dragging you out there. Like, yeah. you better get out there because somebody's got to bring the flip cup or somebody's got to pick up some more beer for some more drinking games. And, uh, man, we got it all going. So It, it is everything you've heard of it, it was. And, it, like, we went out there for a top 10 game. It started the weekend off at Harris. I made like 600 bucks, like the first night playing craps. It was like the perfect start to a weekend. But we got out there and and every single LSU fan said two things to me. They said, one, there's no way you would have had this much fun if you were a Bama fan because nobody would have been nice to you, like flat out. And they said, like every single one of them like apologized that we that it wasn't a night game. Oh my God, you got to come back for a night game. And I was like, this was a top 10 game against Auburn and like, like in a peak setting for most, it is, it's fucking incredible. And we are going to go this year as, as long as you get permission from your wife. So, yeah, well, I, I'm a, I'm a Florida state alum and I'm very disappointed that the, uh, the future schedule between us is new Orleans and Orlando. That, that kind of bummed me out. Cause I wanted to do beautiful. a home and home on that. Yeah. These <laughs> yeah. freaking corporate idiots who are like, we're going to take games yeah. off of college campuses. Like stop you idiots, play them where they're supposed to be played. Yeah. 
Yeah, let them know. So I'm Chris. just hoping we have a. I'm just hoping we have a decent squad next year when we play you guys. Because right now it'd be a beatdown. But we appreciate you coming on, Gordy. It was. Uh, we really appreciate it. Where can the people find you on social media? Uh, at Locked On SEC, or just go to LockedOnSEC.com. It's where you can find the podcast, or just search wherever you find your podcast. Type Locked On SEC, and there we are talking all things SEC. I'm not normally this biased for my school. I do call it like I see it. No, and and we like I've known Gordy for like three years. I think you're the first person to actually put me on radio whether it's on purpose or not. And so, but like a tremendous job at what you do. Um, like, and we don't usually like, shout out other like podcasts, but like I actually listened to Locked On SEC because it, it's actually really enjoyable. You do a really good job with it. And you also taught me how to do the NIL stuff when we had to get uh, Nick Mews on. So all around great guy. Go follow Chris Gordy. Um, real, but we, we have to leave on this. Just give us one note from Shaggy. Come on. There you go. No. All right. We'll, we'll do it again. We'll do it another time. That's fine. All right. Uh, that is the show. Gordy, you have a good one. Um, and we'll see you the first week of November, man. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. What's up, guys? Um, welcome back to another episode of College Football Uncensored. I am your host, the main host, pretty much the only host at times, uh, emotionally. I'm joined by a stranger that I met years ago, Tyler Huck. <laughs> Stuck what's going on man it's good to be back <laughs> yeah uh, we're like and i've been in we'll into spirits. it um i like this give me a love the second. shirt okay yeah okay um it says yes sir with like eight s's and 12 r's because we're gonna be previewing arkansas and lsu today uh and we have a very special guest good buddy one of my favorite karaoke partners here ty richardson uh from the morning show the morning rush at espn arkansas and the program director um it's a really impressive title by the way because you're like 10 years younger than me (laughs) guys it's good to be on now you mentioned karaoke marlar i was deeply devastated down there at sec media days in hoover to find uh, much to my chagrin that you had not made the trip down there and uh, you can talk to several people that i I needed my guy to be up there cheering me on because uh me barrett salee and john neighbors kicked things off down there at media days. I don't know how I got coerced into that because they are in a much better league than in a better classification, but we had fun. And uh, guys, I'm pumped to talk Arkansas football and all things SEC with you tonight. Oh, hold on. First off, you guys did meet, like you guys did karaoke, like not just on Wednesday, right? I feel like it was, it was earlier in the week or was it just on Wednesday? I might, we did a thing. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, we did a lot of songs on Wednesday, Marler. Now I, posted a video from two years prior that's my 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 Uh, thinking of okay yeah i was very disappointed i mean you know they i don't even know if they had share if i could turn back time on the actual playlist so that would have been like it would have been two hour drive for that it seemed like our buddy j boy um also went up like 17 times that night just from what i saw on twitter so it's gonna be hard to get up on stage um but yeah i should have done the louis armstrong i see scott the blue there you go (laughs) <laughs> Since you missed out on it. There it is. All right. Um, we're going to be talking. Uh, it's our continued series here, the 2021 SEC team previews. Um, and we're going to be talking Arkansas football here. And listen, we drink on this podcast. We say bad words. Um, I'm drinking a Miller Lite in honor of, of you and Arkansas right now. Um, I don't even know if you like Miller Lite, but I know that John Daly had the best quote maybe in the history of anything regarding alcohol. And he said, Somebody asked him what his favorite beer was, and he said, Miller Lite has been since I was eight years old. So <laughs> let's kick it off. Um, Tyler, you want to start with the actual questions? I'm in over my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's 
rewind a little bit because last year three and seven, but I think a lot of reason for optimism. Uh, it was clear right off the bat that Arkansas was improved, even even in a COVID year where you know these first year coaches they didn't get a spring. But that first game, you know, Arkansas played Georgia close for the first half. I think everybody was yeah. shocked by that. You know, it ended up They're turning in the second half. But um, then the very next week, they broke the, a 20-game SEC losing skid with an upset on the road at Mississippi State. They also took Ole Miss down last year, including Tennessee as well. So, obviously, those were three upsets for them. Uh, Sam Pittman is – he's still trying to turn the roster. I mean, it's not where he wants to be yet, but – Last year seemed like a really good sign for the future. We were talking before we started recording that that there is a lot of optimism there at Arkansas. So just talk about a little bit about last year before we get into this year. Call it hog you know you know what I mean, brother. <laughs> uh, I, I love the uh, I love what you're calling it there, guys. Last year was a breath of fresh air for Razorback fans. Two years of Chad Morris uh, put everyone down in the dumps. I know he's coaching back where he belongs, high school football. Incredible high school coach. Just didn't have what it take, takes to Don't compliment to him. <laughs> Can't do that on this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. No, absolutely not. Get fuck Chad getting Morris. after me. Uh, yeah, he just – he torpedoed the pro- – so it was a combination of a bunch of things. Brett Bielema and the backroom at Theo's and his just unwillingness to recruit down the stretch. Chad Morris not knowing what he's doing. He was – in SMU, I would say is probably the 10th or 15th most paid to Chintu program in the tri-state Dallas area. When you think about the Mavs, uh, you think about yeah. the Stars, the Cowboys, all those professional-like high school. And he was just in over his head, and that's what it came down to. Sam Pittman comes in, brings optimism immediately. Dude is crying at his opening day press conference. You're like, this dude wanted this job bad. And immediately from the jump. I didn't like that. I, I didn't like. Didn't that like that. And I'm a bit. I'm a big okay. crier too. So no, I'm kidding. I, I, it was he, like he's like Orgeron, but like, but like well spoken. Yeah, uh, Tyler. So you talk about optimism. As we just brought up, 36 minutes they led against the Georgia Bulldogs, which was one of the best teams in the country last year. And Georgia had to make a quarterback t- change. Stetson Bennett came in and kind of righted the ship. The defense got going for them. The game was over. But immediately we're like, this guy is going to bring a level of commitment and just toughness. This team was has been mentally weak, weak. I'd say the prior three, you can even count the fourth year. But last season, even though they lost some close games like LSU, like Missouri, there was just a mental toughness about this team to lose the way they did against Auburn, to follow it up with the old Miss victory, as you referenced. I think that's the biggest key that Sam Bittman has brought back is just a down-to-earth, blue-collar toughness that this program did not have under Morris and that lacked, I'd probably say, the last one, maybe two years under Brett Bielema. One, we're going to get into whatever you were talking about with Theo's. I don't know what that is, and I want to know that story at some point. Um, But, you know, like I feel like Arkansas, because of Chad Morris and, like, strictly because of Chad Morris, has been shit on in the SEC from, like, fans around the conference for – several years now and it's one of the best fan bases and i'm not just saying that like to you know to blow smoke over your ass but like it's one of the best fan bases that i've at least come in contact with like especially with social media like i've never had issues with arkansas fans a lot of my friends have told me otherwise but me personally i, I they're, they're passionate about not just even football every single sport year round it's an incredible incredible fan base so with chad morris there one answer this question because it's topical and relevant who do you hate more, Chad Morris or the Taliban? And answer honestly. 
it, you would think that I wouldn't even pause to think about at that. all. But yeah, and so, I, I, at all, especially yeah. in the kind of state of where we are right now with the overseas foreign policy. <laughs> I, it's just so aggravating and frustrating because you mentioned the pride of Razorback fans, Marler mm-hmm. and Tyler, you've, I'm assuming you've come into contact with them in some way, shape or form. When you have that pride taken away from you, when Colin Calvert and Joel Klatt saying you might be the worst football team in the country, when every SEC highlight on SEC now is just yeah. replays of you getting your butt whipped, it wears on you and it where it it's, yeah, it's, it's mentally fatiguing. And that's why there's such a disdain for Chad Morris in the state because they just didn't have anything good. The only thing I can give him credit for is they did recruit while he's here and there's still some guys, including an all American and a a first round draft pick this year, Mr. Traylon Burks. But outside of that, you didn't have a conference win. You didn't give this fan base hope. And it just sucks. So there, trust me, that Taliban question that you just posed, it shouldn't cause me to, to pause and stammer a little bit. But it does, and that's just the, the hatred that not just I have. There, trust me, there are more oh, people I hate out him. there that hate Chad more. He's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, so, I have no ties uh, to Arkansas at all, but I, I, you know, I, I, it was, it was so, it's so awful. Like, I mean, we make jokes about Bama fans and like, you know, all the mics that kind of ran into the ground, but it wasn't like that. It's just, it's, it's a shame with the, where that because and people forget Arkansas was in a Sugar Bowl in the last decade. Arkansas was a top ten mm-hmm. team in the last decade. So anyway, like moving on to this year, you return 19 starters, right? 10 on defense. Grant Morgan is, is I'm going to call him white Manti Teow. Just love the story of being a walk-on and, and he's like a, a fantastic linebacker, right? What do you expect in year two? And because there were some close calls last year where you guys, you should have beaten Auburn and you had a couple things taken away from you, but what is a realistic, I guess, year two under Sam Pittman and this program? I've said all summer long that I think the expectation of this football team should be to get the six wins. Anything above that is just gravy. Uh, you look about last season, three SEC wins at a 10-game slate. You brought up Grant Morgan, real quick story. So we have our annual Hardy Stick Burger contest that we do every single year. And this his alma mater, Greenwood, <laughs> his <laughs> alma mater at Greenwood High, uh, he's a Greenwood Bulldog alum. They won for their sixth time in eight years. So just wanted to mention that. This kid ate four – cheeseburgers in five minutes it was impressive Tyler Cross now is the kid's name but unbelievable but back to Morgan and just this this team I've said six wins there's a lot of Arkansas fans that think they can get seven or eight here's the thing if you look at the SEC West and our 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 buddy Connor I was talking about him this the other day Marler he thinks it's the widest it could be since 2014 LSU's had all those off the field issues. Now, Alabama, yes, they might have one of the best defenses. They are going to have one of the best defenses. I'm still not 100% willing to say that Bryce Young is going to be Mac Jones or Tua. Now, he probably will be, but I'm not. At least I'm hoping he won't be, right? And then you look at some of the other SEC West teams. Now, Georgia's going to be a wagon. Arkansas's not winning that game. I'm going to Athens, by the way. I am hyped for oh, that hell game. Yeah. To yeah. Just, I, I cannot you wait. You make sure your liver's hyped because that's a different, different world down there. Have you ever been? I've not been to Athens, Tyler. I am ecstatic. I've heard people have told me that I've been, and that is the best college town in the SEC. And, so I've got a in buddy. Country. Lives, is it? Okay. Yeah. I've, yeah, I got a buddy from Atlanta. Okay. Well, I can't, guys. I can't wait. So I'm just really optimistic. Six wins is where I'm sending that. I've seen a lot, and I've heard Arkansas fans that call into our program seven, even eight. 
I've even heard fans tell me nine. I think that's way too much, but I think six is not really too low of a bar, too high of a bar. I think it's right where it needs to be for Sam Pittman year two. I, I, I'm not going to let this pass or slide real quick. I just want to let you know, if we, I don't want you to be disappointed because I like you. So I don't want you to pin all of your expectations on, on what Connor said. Because remember, like two years ago, he said Mississippi State was going to win 10 games with Joe Moorhead. So let's just, let's like, did. let's temper these expectations. I, I think six is perfect. And I think they could even get the seven, like that second game of the season, especially. Anyway, Tyler, go ahead. Well, let, let's talk about the offense. We'll start there. Um, obviously, the big loss off the offense is Felipe Franks. Some some people might laugh at that that that's a big loss. I know Chris is already uh, tilting his the head. The best a bit, quarterback but, in Atlanta. But <laughs> yeah, I saw AJ McCarron towards his ACL last night. Um, what? Bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow! I did not know that. I, that this shows you what I, how much of attention I've been playing in NFL preseason. Jesus, yeah. it sucks, yeah. dude. Like now the Falcons' season's over because like if AJ <laughs> can't start, I mean, <laughs> we're done. Yeah, but, but but Franks was pretty good last year, uh, all things considered. And and this year, they return all five starters on the O-line. An O-line that allowed 34 sacks last year, but you want that continuity, you know, get some experience under your belt. So, obviously, the big story is K.J. Jefferson. By all accounts, I assume he's going to be the starter. Um, yep. Kendall Bryles' system is definitely more suited for a mobile QB I don't know that I wouldn't really consider Franks that mobile of a QB. So I think, you know, between Jefferson and Malik Hornsby, those guys would be na more natural fits, better suited for the offense. But how was he? How has KJ Jefferson looked? I mean, he's he's a beast. He's 6'3", 240, did I see? Is that or is that uh, too he's much? A, you know, he, he's been eating a few too many cheeseburgers this offseason. <laughs> uh, he came in overweight. He's talked about that. He needs to get down. He wants to be more in the... 235 range. I think he's 247. So he likes Ooh. to lose 15 or so pounds. So he came in a little like bit heavy. Out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, KJ Jefferson, for all intents and purposes, barring an injury, is going to be the starting quarterback for Arkansas this fall. Everyone looks to that Missouri game where he exploded, Traylon Burks and him connected mm -hmm. for, I believe, two touchdowns in that football game. Now he's got the arm. He's going to be a little faster than Felipe. But, guys, Felipe had the highest completion percentage single season yeah. in Razorback history. And there are going to be all games time? this season. Yeah, of all time. Wow. Think about that. It was 67 68%, something like that. So there were times where Felipe held the ball on too long, but he rarely made a mistake or put Arkansas in a bad situation. There was a handful of games that he had a turnover or two that were um, game-changing. But really, for the most part, he was careful with the football. KJ is going to have some accuracy issues this year. That's one of his uh, kind of MO of him. His accuracy has never been his strong suit. But I'm excited about the potential in Kendall Browse year two. A full offseason under him and KJ's belt. Finally getting to kind of go into every in integral part of that offense. I think they have a good chance. Now, I'm not a, as high on our, our buddy SEC Mike. SEC Mike has him rated, I think it's eighth yeah. or fourth best. Third. He's got him high. And I was wow. like, wow, Mike, you love this guy. And he does. I've got him in that like top seven range. But if he right. if he's the third best quarterback in the SEC this year, maybe that ludicrous Arkansas fan that called in and said they're gonna win nine games is, is not too far off, fellas. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, also quick note on like Felipe Franks. Like, I feel like, and I was guilty of this too, especially like you know, two, three years ago he was also somebody that got shit on and never got like enough credit for like how efficient and effective a quarterback he was because anytime the camera was on him, it was never 
anything that I think a coach wanted to see or like any fan, because it was always like, you know, somewhat embarrassing. Like that, that Florida Miami game uh, to start the 2019 year, not his best look. But at the same time, like in two years at Arkansas and Florida's last two years, he was like 44 and 10 was a, a touchdown to interception. Ratio. It was really good. Um, yeah. the, the, and the thing of, about you, you go ahead. You talk about his camera real quick, uh, Morler. He, if you listen to the interview he did last year, it was business-like, matter-of-fact approach, mm-hmm. and that's how he looked at last season as a, this is the final step for me to get to the National Football League. And now, right. unfortunately, because McCarron tore his ACL, he's a backup, man, and Matt Ryan and could take over when he retires. They ought to start him. I'm so tired of Matt Ryan. They got rid of – they got to sell everybody. So Julio, all that kind of stuff, man. Um, no, it's a really good point. I think the strength of, of, of this team – like it, it's going to have to be the offense. Right. And, and that's strictly just when you look at the numbers and we gave Barry Odom a lot of credit, especially mainly because that week two um, game, you know, at Mississippi state after what they just put up the week before, you know, setting like all sorts of records against LSU, it was shocking to see them go down into Starkville and then, you know, win by two touchdowns. It was, it was fantastic to see, but Barry Odom by the, by year's end, no matter how much credit we gave him, you look at the numbers, and, and for the fourth straight year, you're giving up an average of 35 or more points. It's the fifth straight year they've given up over 31 points or more, you know, in a game. Is the defense you return 10 starters and white man Titeo. So it, like, is the defense going to turn a corner? Like, and if they do, what is the corner? Because 35 points a game is is a ton. I, I think when you look at this defense, you mentioned the 10 of 11 starters. Coming back, I don't think this football team is going to be the like the second or third best defense in the country, but they're going to have their games like an old Miss, mm-hmm. like a Mississippi State. Six interceptions, good old Miss. Now, I don't know if they'll have that many. Uh, the three interceptions against KJ Costello, that old Miss game was electric. Oh my goodness gracious! God, was I was fun. sitting with my, I, I was sitting with my brother. I left the press box to go sit with my brother and a bunch of his friends, and they were. So Smashed, and so when <laughs> Grant Morgan, white man, tight tail, picked it off and went to the end zone, my uh, I'm not gonna say my brother, but a few of uh, his friends started screaming, "Get those bleeping bleeps off the field!" Speaking of old Miss, and it's because <laughs> you think about this, Little Rock, oh, what like, did, where I'm from. That, what could that have been? Don't answer that. Don't can, answer that. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. say. I, I think I can say some curse words. I'm not gonna say those two. The <laughs> Little Rock. There's a lot of Little Rock kids that go to Old Miss. And that's where I'm mm. from. So there's a little bit of a rivalry between, or not a little, a good rivalry between the Arkansas Razorbacks and the Ole Miss Rebels. So you got that. But I, I think the defense, Marler, back to your question, I think it's going to take a step forward like the offensive line, as you referred to earlier, mm. Tyler, with the 34 sacks. But I don't think it's just going to be, oh, this unit's all of a sudden going to go and be one of the best units in college football or the SEC. But it's going to be significant enough where it help the, helps them win maybe a game or two that they weren't going to last year. Well, I know last year the problem was no pass rush. And I know, you know, Barry Odom's a great, he's a great defensive coordinator. So I think they'll get it right. Um, I saw that Pittman hired a few younger assistant coaches, a linebacker coach and D-line coach to kind of maybe spark that side of the ball. But, but if you can get, you know, a good pass rush or at least have that D-line play well. I mean, you've, you're set at linebacker with Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool, And on the back end, you got two really good safeties. Bumper Pool's back? I he's should back. have this. He's been there 10. since like 1998. What is happening right now? <laughs> he uh, He's back. Super seniors, man. So have you heard about anything that they're trying to to spark that pass rush? Because like you said, it's the same guys that are back. So do you know what they're doing to try to get a, a decent pass rush this year? 
the best defensive lineman last year is Jonathan Marshall. Got a safety sack on Daniel Jones in a preseason game for the New York Jets. Love to see him performing at the next level. Hopefully he'll be a solid piece for uh, Robert Sala's squad this year. They added three big transfers in the offseason, two Missouri kids, uh, Markel Utzi and Trey Williams, also John Ridgeway from Illinois State. Those guys are going to be main factors on the defensive line, and Utzi and Williams have proven that they can play in this league. But as you just mentioned, Tyler, that's the key. You've got an All-American linebacker in Grant Morgan, Jalen Catalan's an All-American caliber safety. But yeah. if you don't have someone on that front four or they'll play a three-man in front of times that can get to the quarterback like Jay Marsh did last year, they're screwed. doesn't matter how good yeah. your back end is. If you right. can't get pressure on the Bryce Youngs, the JT Daniels, the Matt Corrales of the world, they're going to carve you apart. And so that, yeah. to me, is a bad example all of Matt Corral since, since you guys – Intercepted him six like picks. roughly 17 <laughs> times. <laughs> he said he said at NCC Media Days he had never seen a cover eight, which is all Arkansas played. They dropped eight. And I was I didn't know when I, when I that. heard that. <laughs> yeah. And when I heard that, I was just like, because that's all Arkansas did. And Lane Kiffin was an idiot for not running the football that game, but he was stubborn. And ultimately that cost him the game, I, which of course I was ecstatic about. <laughs> I love the fact that he like, cause he came back like the next week and he was like, I think he had a good game the next week. And he was like, you know, you got to shrug that off. Like you got to put it behind you and forget about it. And you got to have like amnesia about it's like said all the right things. And then like, I don't know, four weeks later, he threw five against LSU. And it was like, <laughs> sir, just stop doing that. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. He had a, it, it was very odd to see how great he was at Alabama. They hung 48 on Alabama and they're yeah. telling us all week on college football live, how he's going to hang 610 touchdowns in Arkansas right. and he throws six picks. They have a fumble and a turnover on downs. It last season was just weird, not just because yeah. of COVID, but to see Arkansas's defense have performances like that and then just refuse to get stops in games. They could have ultimately won if they just got one stop, i.e. Missouri. I hate those. Here's my first curse word of the podcast. Those bastards from Columbia. We <laughs> cannot beat those SOBs and it makes no sense. There have been games that Arkansas has clearly been the better team and they just can't figure it out. AM, they're the better football team every single time. I get oh, that. God. But Missouri, are you kidding me? Like, what is the deal with that? It drives me insane. I mean, what's well, kind of rude? Like they're they're doing their best and Barry Odom <laughs> he's, he's been at both places. No, but I mean, you're right. Like that wasn't that the game where where who's the guy, the, the kicker with a huge ass? Um What's his name? What's it? Mel Melvis, uh, Harrison Melvis. I'm pretty it. sure it's like yeah. something like that. So but he, didn't he kick a game-winning field goal or something like that? It was because it, it was like a, a, a okay, it was a really high-scoring game. Um, Fifty to forty-eight, I, guess, I believe, it was the final score. Yeah. Marler. I sense some PTSD okay. here. We should move on. Absolutely. <laughs> talking about what are some other games that you hate uh, to talk about? <laughs> Me personally, the 1998 Tennessee game because I hate Tennessee, especially that at that point in my life. And that we don't have to talk about that. Let's, uh, I we wanted... had, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I wanted to, I wanted to, we want to get into the over under here in a second, but I wanted to quickly touch back on the offense before we do that, because obviously Traylon Burks, we got to talk about him. You can't preview Arkansas without yeah. talking a little bit more about him. He's a stud. Uh, he should be, he'll, he's all sec type guy, but what happened to, to, to the Mike Woods situation? Because he was a reliable number two. Now, I, I understand you guys kind of traded with Oklahoma. You got Jaqueline Crawford, who was a top 200 recruit coming from Oklahoma back over to you guys. But 
what happened in the Mike Woods situation? Is that, and is that going to be ultimately a, a huge loss for you this year? I have debated that question and we have and Arkansas fans. If you're not with us, you're against us. And they said, Oh, but it doesn't matter. We have Debbie on Warren. We have to Quaylen Crawford. We have John David white. I still think oh, it's going to be a loss. This was your second leading receiver last year. Mike ran a four, three. He's one of the fastest guys on the football team. And if you watch those deep balls last year, Felipe was dropping them in and Mike mm-hmm. most of the time was the one catching them. So what you have Oklahoma and, I mean, they have like Hazelwood, Mims, like they've got some studs in that wide receiver room. And I don't, listen, Spencer Rattler's better quarterback than KJ Jefferson. Oklahoma's a premier program. Arkansas is not. So if he's trying to win a ship in his final year, I get it. I'm still not a huge fan of it. It's still going to be a loss, guys. But I think with Devion Warren coming off his torn ACL, some other guys in that wide receiver room stepping up, I think they're going to be able to patch it. But, I mean, you've got to get – pressure off Traylon Burks. You can't allow him to be doubled and tripled the entire season. Or You've got to be able to get open. And there were times last season that Burks is, was just keyed in on and other guys need to step up this year and hope that there's not a crucial injury in that wide receiver room. Okay, real quick. First off, I don't know why you even bring up the injury thing. That's fucked up. But um, <laughs> like you went over several receivers and, and I was going to, my, my final question before we get into like the over-under was going to be who's the breakout player and I was hoping it was going to it was going to be Trey Knox because this is the third year I've been waiting for this kid who's 6'5", 220, has all the measurables, he's a four-star recruit, like like a, a big, big get. I don't know if he was ranked uh, higher than, than Burks coming out of high school and it doesn't really matter now. Obviously, we see the production, but like that that kid, he lo- like getting off the bus, he looks like he should be an elite receiver in the, in the conference, at least the number two to Traylon Burks. Who's the breakout player and where the fuck is Trey Knox? Knox stepped back last year and had a sophomore slump. I asked Coach Pittman about that at SEC Media Days. I said, Coach, Trey Knox disappeared last year. What happened? And he said, well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. But, I mean, in reality, that's what happened. Trey wasn't getting open. He wasn't seeing the field much. He just listed his measurables. Just throw him the football on the goal line. Let him go up and get it. Sometimes we make football way more complicated than it has to be. I want to say, guys, he had four touchdowns. His freshman year, you want to hear something crazy? You want to talk about coaching malpractice? Joe Craddock, Chad Morris, Traylon Burks did not have a touchdown as a freshman under their leadership. Think about that. One of the best wide receivers in college football in the SEC, Traylon Burks, did not have a receiving or rushing touchdown in 2020. 2019, excuse me. Was Nick Starkle the quarterback? He was the quarterback, right? Starkle and Hicks, that was the back and forth that your brother guys did. And that just shows, like, you get yeah. your best players the football. Uh, the, the breakout guys, the question you're talking about, I hope it's Trey Knox. He's my favorite wide receiver. He loves country music. He's karaoke. And from the friends I've talked to still on campus, they just say he's a great guy. Um, Burks, I think, is going to have a really good season. He's going to prove why he's a number one wide receiver in this conference. You look at some of the other guys, John David White, I grew up going to football games with him. I'm really excited to see what he can do. He had a 45-yard touchdown catch in the scrimmage on Saturday. You referenced Jaqueline Crawford. Jalen Catalan's older brother, Kendall, has apparently had a really good camp. He's going to be in the mix. Devion Warren was the second-best wide receiver Mm -hmm. prior to his injury. Uh, He's going to be back coming off the tour ACL. Tyson Morris is back. They got a couple young guys, Darren Turner, um, Keetron Jackson's mothers that are hoping to factor into the mix. But – everyone it's you know how we always say there's Alabama and there's everyone else well it's 
Traylon Burks and everyone else right. in that wide receiver room. He's so far ahead of all those guys. It's not even close. He's so far ahead of a lot of guys. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right, over and under this year, over and under five and a half. So the six win mark would be better than Vegas thinks, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like the juice is actually to the over. So more people think are betting on the over happening. Um, I broke this kind. Of, I broke. I always break down what I think should be at least likely or guaranteed wins. There's four right off the bat: Rice, Georgia Southern, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and I threw Mississippi State on there as well. Um, so from there, there's a lot of tough games. Uh, so they're going to have to win two more, but they, they were the king of the upset last year on the schedule. They're seven and three um, against the spread. Yeah. So I think they can get there. I Would I bet it? I don't know yet. I don't know enough about KJ Jefferson, but, but I think it's definitely going to be close just for the purposes of your excitement. You kind of fired me up about this squad. I'm going to go over five. Uh, Chris, it, what about you? What about you, Chris? Um, wait, the over under is five and a half. Yep. Yeah, I would say over. I, I just think that they, they had so many games last year they should have won. And I was going to ask you this too, and you don't have to answer it since you already were so awkward about the Taliban. Um, <laughs> but you know, like I, I don't know what was worse to the state of Arkansas in 2020, whether it was COVID or SEC officials, but there were several games left on the table that, that Arkansas could have oh, won. That Auburn game. Seven and three. <laughs> that Auburn game was horseshit. They're seven and three against the spread, which as you know, like not degenerates, but dedicated to gambling on this podcast. <laughs> I, I think that's huge with Pittman. Um, I'm going to take the over. And I think this is the year they finally go up and, and, and knock somebody off. Like not just Mississippi state, maybe it's Texas in week two, like the, the schedule itself, Texas is down. Like if they, they should probably beat Texas. And if they do, the optics of that are huge for Arkansas in, in the program. So, yeah, <laughs> that's you true. guys made Stark, yeah. comments. Look at this beautiful baby. We got this. Uh, our buddy Robert Mann over at the stadium shop. I texted him about a month ago and I said, "I need you to make sure that you get a massive shipment of Tuck Fexus shirts." And <laughs> sure enough, he did. And this I will be sporting not only next week when we're there live doing a show, but also prior to the Texas game. I have a massive hatred for Texas A&M. That is the school I hate more than any school in the country because we keep losing to those you-know-whats every year in the most excruciating way possible. It's awful. Texas is is second. My grandfather, longtime Razorback fan, Daddy Joe, hated Texas as well. Six o'clock, primetime, ESPN. I think College Game Day is going to make its way to Annapolis, Maryland for the Air Force Navy game, which is a disappointment because I would right. love to see. Yeah, I would love to see those guys in Fayetteville. Herbie came on last week and said there was a chance that they come to Fayetteville. I don't see that happening now, unfortunately, based on some reporting. I think I don't remember is that the Navy and Air Center? Force. And it's Navy and Air Force, which is where they're going. It looks like. Is there a holiday so, I'm forgetting about? I don't. I don't want to. Labor, yeah, it's Labor it's Day. Tem- yeah, yeah. It's uh, 20th anniversary, okay. 9/11. Yeah, yeah I still hate the Tennessee. Oh, okay, well, why? I didn't know it was 9/11. I didn't realize that part. My bad. Yeah. Should have fucking it's opened a, with that. Okay. Tie. I know. I know I'm who's rooting like for the asshole. Taliban. I know who's rooting for the Taliban on this podcast. <laughs> I, I really so, forgot to edit all this out, <laughs> guys. You've got you've got that game set up. You mentioned Texas is still trying to figure it out. Sark does not seem happy. I know Kiffin was ticked off at his defense, the way they tackled this past Saturday. I haven't heard his comments about yesterday's scrimmage, but Sark doesn't look like he knows 
who's going to be playing quarterback or is, is confident about his football team. 10 of 11 defensive starters, 76,000 fans inside of Reynolds Frazier Stadium. Night game, biggest game they've had in 10 plus years since 2010 against number one Alabama. That atmosphere oh, that is going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Freaking awesome. couple interceptions. You had Greg McElroy, two in that game. Hi. And Ron, yeah, I mean, he had, that was the second play of the Real game. Loud. Yeah, so I, dude, I was late to go. I was going to meet up my dad at the time, and, and I was like late. I walked in as that was happening. I was like, "What in the fuck is going on right now?" And it, like, because it was, it was, uh, it was like watching Gus Malzahn's offense, but with actual talent, like, like with Mallet and Wingo. We don't have to get into it. It was a very mm-hmm. stressful game. That was a. That was a team that was so fun to watch. And you, you guys referenced the 2010, 2011 years. Got to remember. 2011 on the road against LSU up 14-0, number one team in the country. Arkansas is number three. They win that game. They're going to the SEC championship and playing for a national championship. And unfortunately, we know how it played out. Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger took over in the second half of that football game. and That's all she wrote. But guys, I think Arkansas, like you mentioned, has a chance to get a big one. I hope if they win in Athens, my liver is going to explode because not only will I be there in one of the best college towns in the country, I'll get to watch. Our, if Will Muschamp in South Carolina can go into Athens, Georgia and win a football game, there is no reason that Arkansas shouldn't be able to do the same thing. And I know different quarterback situation, JT Daniels and company, but goodness gracious, I don't, I'm kind of like thinking, I don't know if I want Arkansas to win that game because I don't know if I'll make it back yes, to Fort what? Smith. For the radio show the next day, oh, yeah. just being my own life, you know? yeah, yeah. My, just my own my own well personal being because yeah. I will be the most outlandish, outrageous, idiotic Razorback fan in Athens, Georgia, you've ever met. If they end up winning that football game, it <laughs> will it. be absurd. I, you know what? That like I, I'm going to treat that game like like it's my Super Bowl then because I would love that to happen for you. And also, anytime we can laugh at Georgia, that would be great as well. And just just real quick to point out. It's not, it, you know, it, it's not just South Carolina. Tennessee with Butch Jones won there. Uh, Georgia Tech with Paul Johnson. Mizzou did it. There, there's been a lot of teams that have gone to Athens and beaten them. And I'm sorry, Georgia fans. I, I mean, if you heard that, I just I wanted to make sure we got that in there before we say goodbye. Last thing we're going to say um, before we get you out of here. Again, people shit on Arkansas a lot. I don't really understand why. Kevin Copps, I don't know why he, you know, like, like he doesn't get more credit. Even, can he play quarterback? I don't know. Um, it's, there's a lot of positives about, about Arkansas. It was, it was ranked, I think like the fourth best or like prettiest campus in the country. Um, fourth best place to live by us news best in the sec. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And is in Arkansas, which, so like just real quick, give us like your 32nd minute long elevator pitch of, of why Arkansas is great. And like what people are missing out by not going up there besides Ozarks and, uh, you know, Brett Bielema's, I guess, secret, uh, boom, boom room. Yeah, the room where uh, he was pounding, I don't remember, martinis or whatever it was. But I think what makes Arkansas unique over every other SEC football team is they're the professional team inside the state. Alabama has to split Auburn. I know it's not 50-50. You split it between the Tigers and the Crimson Tide. Arkansas, it's its own thing. Florida State, uh, Huck, where you are, you got Florida, Florida State, all these professional teams. It is the flagship of the entire state. I have a great sense of pride about me going to the University of Arkansas because it is the 
place to be. And when you think about, you referenced the Ozarks, there's great food, there's good people, the scenery. I'm not just talking about the Ozark scenery. My goodness gracious, there! I cannot wait for football season. I'm seeing all these recruitment videos, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I cannot you know wait about to women? be back. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, I cannot wait to be back. Uh, you have to put me in horny jail here for a sec because, oh, my goodness, I cannot wait to be back. There's a couple of like just from Twitter. I'll just say it out loud. Like, I'm not going to say their names, but they're like some really hot and like really super knowledgeable fans uh, from, from Arkansas. I'm not going to say their name. I'll tell you off air. Who are these guys, Chris? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, might need to, I might need to do a little Google search after the, after this. You tell oh, me who it is. That. That <laughs> <now>. All right. <laughs> uh, Marler, it's just, it's a great, it, it's a great place to be fans if you walk by if you're an opposing fan you'll get offered food you get offered beer i just love being a part of this state and being a part of this community and uh, if you haven't been to fayetteville we talked about the u.s news there's just so much to do dixon street ask baker mayfield ask sam bradford ask why these oklahoma and all these other quarterbacks come to fayetteville because dixon street is legendary there's always going to be a story or two that you can't have after night or after a weekend from Dixon street, because there are just so many great bars, so many great things to do. And, uh, you had been there. You're missing out fellas. Love it, dude. We appreciate it. Ty. um, let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Cause I didn't look it up beforehand, like a real professional journalist. <laughs> and, um, and it will have to do this again soon, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Marler, Tyler, appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, y'all at Ty sports radio, the morning rush airs six to nine central AM on ESPN, Arkansas and hit that line.com. And you're way more professional than me. You kidding me? Way more. Dude, professional. I, you're a writer. I, one of the most I'm impressive things. I'm not a writer at all. And I don't know why people <laughs> keep saying that. Cause I haven't written three years, but like one of the most impressive things I've ever seen was at the morning after karaoke. Cause we like Tyler fun fact, we drank the bar out of white claw. That night, oh. Um, oh. yeah, tough to do. We did yeah. it because perseverance. And you were up the next morning, like ready for work. Anyway, all right, that's enough nice things we said about uh, about <laughs> you. You're the best, Ty. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Boys, appreciate y'all having me on. Thanks, man.